Go I ahead. want to apologize to the nation for my vote for him. It was the wrong thing to do. It was the biggest mistake I ever made. Apology accepted. I guess. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. That's why. I got the feeling that something ain't right. No, it ain't. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yep. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle. From Pacifica with you. Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast, as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA. Up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ and in Cottage Grove on Queso. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU. Columbus, Ohio's WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP, Grand Rapids, Michigan's WPRR, in New Orleans on WHIV, in Gallup, New Mexico on KNIZ, in Concord, New Hampshire on WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ, Seattle, Washington's KODX, Red Bluff and Redding, California's KFOI, Round Mountain, California's KKRN, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's, AM 950 KTNF. We also stream coast to coast and around the globe on the internet on some very fine streaming outlets, including the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR Revolution 99, Workforce Rising, and Detour Talk, Blanketing Planet Earth five days a week. I am Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around very, very swell fellow, says me, from bradblog.com. Thank you for joining us today for another thrilling broadcast. Uh, well, as Trump tweeted over the weekend, referring to special counsel Robert Mueller's probe, quote, This is one of the most one-sided witch hunts in the history of our country. Which, of course, makes me long for those bygone days of two-sided witch hunts in this country. <laughs> Don't you think? Don't you miss those? <laughs> the old two-sided witch hunts. Yes. Gosh. Long time. So, no see for those. Yeah. <laughs> so while everyone else uh, seems to be covering uh, witch hunt-related activities today, like the trial of uh, Donald Trump's campaign chair, Paul Manafort, and the testimony against him by his partner, Rick Gates, who is cooperating with the uh, special counsel Robert Mueller and uh, admitted on the witness stand on Monday and again today that he and Manafort committed tax fraud, among other crimes. Uh, and by the way, Rick Gates admitted to having an affair today on the stand. So that means everybody's really going to be covering <laughs> that stuff. Well, uh, sure. Once you get know, salacious. Sex, right? You know, hey, the ostrich jacket apparently wasn't enough. So yeah. now he's got an affair to spice things up there and you keep go. you interested. Yeah. So everybody's going to be covering that. We, however, will try to stay focused on other matters that are at least as important as ostrich uh, coats and uh, affairs. Maybe. I don't know. We'll see. Well, uh, voters in uh, Missouri, uh, Michigan, Kansas, Washington State are voting in primary elections on Tuesday. We will have any of the noteworthy results and or problem reports on tomorrow's broadcast, or as they like to call them in the media, hiccups, glitches, snags, and snafus. I already saw some 
Uh, one called a hiccup out of my old hometown uh, of St. Louis, Missouri. We should get journalists a better thesaurus for these things. Say the word failure. We will have example. those failures tomorrow. Uh, also, folks are voting, of course, in the very important special U.S. House election in Ohio's 12th congressional district where the Democrat Danny O'Connor has a chance, a slim chance, a slightly better than Luke Skywalker blowing up the Death Star chance, but a chance nonetheless uh, to uh, flip that seat from red to blue if everyone turns out and if everyone is allowed to vote and their votes are counted as cast on the district's 100% unverifiable touchscreen systems. Uh, that uh, Danny O'Connor has a chance to defeat the uh, Republican Troy Balderson in a very Trumpy district. The last polls showed, however, the GOP and Dem candidates in a dead heat after the Republican had been ahead by double digits just a month ago. And so we will see and we will be watching returns closely, such as there is anything that can be seen in those returns. In any event, we will have those results and everything else on tomorrow's broadcast. Some other election and voting-related news in a moment, including an update on the very bizarre and until now, or at least until now, sort of, unexplained failure that occurred back in May here in, uh, in Los Angeles during the California statewide primary. But speaking of, actually, I think that was June. I'll figure it out by the time we get to that story. Um, <laughs> in the meantime, uh, also, Green News Report and Desi Doyen, that yes. voice you heard, that snarky voice at the top of the show is our producer, Des, and, of course, the uh, genius behind the Green News Report, as uh, some 14,000 firefighters are now battling some 16 wildfires out here in sweltering California, including one that, as of today, is now the largest in state history. And that is saying quite a bit, given the fires that we've had over this past fire season or two, at least. Or five. Uh, so temperatures continue to swelter out here and, in fact, around the globe. We've got record temperatures from Asia to Europe over the past week as well. So that's coming up. But let's start here. Uh, Maine Secretary of State Matthew Dunlap, one of the 11 members of the commission formed by President Donald Trump to investigate supposed voter fraud last year, issued a scathing rebuke of the disbanded panel over the weekend, accusing Vice Chair Chris Kobach and the White House of making false statements and saying that he had concluded that the panel had been set up to try to validate the president's baseless claims about fraudulent votes in the 2016 election. Oh, do you think, Mr. Secretary? Of course it was. Everyone knew, knew that. As a matter of fact, everyone told you that. Many folks thought you should not sit on that panel at all as a Democrat. It turns out, I guess... It's a good thing that you did. Dunlap, one of more one of four Democrats on the panel, made the uh, those statements in a report that he sent to the commission's two leaders. That would be Vice President Pence and Kobach, who is Kansas's Secretary of State currently. Uh, Dunlap uh, submitted that report after reviewing more than 8,000 documents from the group's work, which he had acquired only after a legal fight, despite the fact that he was a participant on the panel. In fact, he was one of the panel's commissioners, but he had to go to court to sue to get access to the commission's working documents. For his part, Kobach is uh, running uh, is running for the GOP nomination 
for governor in Kansas on Tuesday. He wants to uh, fail up, I guess, to the slot of governor, and he has now been endorsed by Donald Trump, so there's probably a pretty good chance that he will win, theoretically. Uh, we will know soon. Democrats hope that he gets the nomination, uh, in fact, over the more moderate current GOP governor who uh, recently took over the job after the failed former Kansas governor, Sam Brownback, was promoted. He definitely failed up. Uh, he was promoted to become Trump's ambassador to religious freedoms or some nonsense like that. Uh, but anyway, back to Kobach's failed commission on voter fraud. Uh, before it was disbanded by Donald Trump in January, the panel had never had had never presented any findings or any evidence of widespread voter fraud. But the White House claimed at the time that it had shut down the commission despite, quote, substantial evidence of voter fraud. Due, they said, to the mounting legal challenges that the commission uh, faced and kept losing. <laughs> in court, Dunlap, one of them brought by Dunlap, uh, Dunlap said that the commission's documents that were finally turned over to him underscore the hollowness of the claims that there were that they were finding substantial evidence of voter fraud. He said, quote, they do not contain evidence of widespread spread voter fraud. In his report, he added that some of the documentation seems to uh, seemed to indicate that the commission was predicting it would find evidence of fraud evincing a, quote, troubling bias. In particular, Dunlap pointed to an outline for a report that the commission was working on that had circulated back in November of 2017. The uh, outline included sections for, quote, improper voter registration practices and instances of fraudulent or improper voting. Both of those sections, however, were blank as they awaited evidence that I guess Kobach and his uh, GOP voter fraud fraudster buddies thought they were going to fill out there. Uh, in any event, that was uh, one of the points that made Dunlap say that this was uh, a commission that was pushing for a preordained conclusion. He said after reading this, uh, talking about the eight more than 8,000 pages of documents, um, in an interview with The Washington Post, he said, I see that it wasn't just a matter of investigating President Trump's claims that three to five million people voted illegally. But the goal of the commission seems to have been to validate those claims. Of course, we all know this. Anyone who's been paying attention, including Dunlap, I'm sure, who, who knows that as well. But uh, he had to go to court to get the official documents that he wasn't allowed to see, even as a commissioner. Uh, and so working from actual evidence now, he's able to make these claims. Yeah, and of course, it also gives the corporate media, who is famous for trying to present false balance, it gives the corporate media the sort of hard paper evidence that they need to say, OK, see, sure, all the things that all those people were saying before, now we can report exactly. them as true. No, documents, exactly, although those documents should have been public documents in the first place. Of course. Dunlap said after a career of more than 20 years, Years that has included stints as a state rep and the chairman of a committee on fisheries and wildlife, that his time on the panel was, quote, the most bizarre thing I have ever been a part of. He said we had more transparency on a deer task force. <laughs> 
Then I had on a presidential commission. He said we had a dozen meetings talking about the Deer Task Force. Uh, they were all public. We published everything we did in the newspaper and published results, including information we got from the public. Uh, that, by way of contrast, with this super secret presidential pretend voter fraud commission that even the commissioners, at least if they were Democratic, were not allowed to see the actual documents from, at least without going to court to sue for them. So Dunlap filed a lawsuit against the commission when it was still active back in uh, November, alleging that he and the other Democratic members were being excluded from its work and materials. He received the documents. He saw it only in July. This is how long it took for him to get them after a federal judge ordered the administration to turn them over, despite the objections of the Justice Department. The, the administration was refusing uh, to turn over documents to a commissioner from a commission that he was on. Uh, nice work, Jeff Sessions. Glad you lost. Uh, in any event, one email, for example, uh, that was finally turned over um, showed uh, Christy McCormick, a Republican member of the commission, uh, speaking to a staff member about recruiting a career statistician from the Justice Department to the commission, writing that uh, writing about her that she was, quote, pretty confident that he is conservative and then in parentheses and Christian, too. Really? So that's, yeah. They wanted a statistician who would A, be conservative, whatever that means, and also a Christian. Dunlap said he did not understand why people like Kobach continue to talk up the prevalence of voter fraud, where he says, where are the indictments? Where are the prosecutions? He says, but that's uh, sort of de rigueur here. You throw out a bunch of numbers about supposed voter fraud and it becomes the Halloween ghost story that keeps getting repeated, but nobody can really point to it. Trump's claims that as many as three to five million fraudulent votes were cast in the uh, 2016 election remains one of his most notable falsehoods. The Washington Post notes no credible evidence has ever been produced by the White House or anyone else to substantiate that claim. Now, in response to uh, Dunlap's comments over the uh, over the weekend, Kobach has now, according to the Post, cited some studies that he says make the case for the commission's existence in the first place. He said uh, in a statement sent to the to the Washington Post, Kobach accused Dunlap of being, quote, willfully blind to the voter fraud in front of his nose. And he pointed to studies from two right wing groups about the supposed voter fraud about which uh, Kobach has been so vocal, so vocal as the two term secretary of state of Kansas, but only able to find a handful of cases of fraud in the eight years that he's uh, been the secretary of state there before now running for um, governor. In any event, uh, so there's two studies that he pointed to a database from the Heritage Foundation, the right wing Heritage Foundation, finding 983 convictions in state, local, and federal elections. Wow, that sounds damning. 983 convictions of voter fraud dating back decades and a study from the Government Accountability Institute, not the Government Accountability Office, but one of these fake right-wing groups called Government Accountability Institute, 
Which is a uh, nonprofit founded by some guy named Steve Bannon. Oh, really? Yep. And another Breitbart editor, by the way, Kobach worked even while Secretary of State for the Breitbart right wing uh, website. Uh, anyway, that study from the Government Accountability Institute purported to find 8,400 instances of double voting in the 2016 election. But election experts interviewed by the Post said that these two studies made for a flawed portrait of the issue of voter fraud. Examining them provides a window into the ways in which statistics are massaged and studies are select selectively deployed in the push to address the supposed mass scourge of voter fraud with strict photo ID restrictions at the polling place. So among those experts, uh, Mirna Perez, she's been a guest on this show, from uh, NYU's Brennan Center. She's an expert on voting rights. She pointed out that the Heritage Foundation's uh, database cataloged a range of misconduct that was not voter fraud that included actions like vote buying or ballot altering by election officials. In other words, insider election fraud, which is a far cry from the type of fraud alleged by Donald Trump that uh, informed the commission's creation in the first place. Uh, of course, instances of uh, vote buying and selling and uh, insider election fraud, changing ballots. None of that would be stopped by photo ID voting restrictions at the polling place, which would, however, keep hundreds of th millions, actually, if it was uh, launched nationwide, uh, millions of perfectly legal, legitimate voters from being able to cast a vote at all. Also, that insider election fraud, as you know, because you are a Bradcast listener and or Bradblog.com reader, is the far more insidious type of fraud because an insider can change the results of an entire election wholesale on a tabulator with almost zero probability of ever being discovered as having done so. Mirna Perez says it's important to distinguish between insiders perpetrating fraudulent votes and individual voters. She says the responses we see to this meme of fraud frequently put the burden on the voters, which is why I always say leave the voters alone. They're doing fine. It's the insiders and the election officials who have direct access to the voting systems. And yes, the hackers from foreign countries or from right here at home. Those are the folks who we need to worry about. A study that the Brennan Center did of that Heritage Foundation uh, database showed that 105 cases came from the past five years. 488, that's about half, uh, came from the past 10 years. And some of the cases date back as far as 1948 to the election when Harry Truman defeated Thomas Dewey. Wow, so they found a whole 980 so-called confirmed cases going back to 1948 out of right. how many well, billions of votes exactly. cast? That's what the Brennan Center uh, study uh, notes, that uh, over the period considered by Heritage, there have been over, to answer your question, Des, 3 billion votes cast in federal elections, in federal elections alone, and many more when you include the state and local elections that are also covered in the database. So at least 3 billion votes 
Nonetheless, they've uncovered some eight, uh, some 983 convictions co- regarding those going back for half a century. The number of cases in the uh, exactly in the database represent a minuscule portion of the overall number of votes cast during this time span, says Brennan Center. In reviewing decades of cases and billions of votes cast, the Heritage Foundation has identified, get ready, just 10 cases out of all of those cases they identified and the more than 3 billion votes that they were looking at, they've identified 10 single cases involving in-person impersonation fraud at the polls. The only type of fraud that could possibly be stopped by photo ID restrictions, just 10 they have found. These are from the right-wingers now. Just they've, they've only been able to identify 10 out of those billions and billions of votes. Since 1948. Uh, which, uh, the Brennan Center notes, is fewer than the number of members on the President's Voter Fraud Commission. <laughs> Experts had even harsher word for words for the Government Accountability Institute study that was released last year, about two months after Trump had formed the uh, the commission. So uh, and I'm not even going to go into uh, all everything that's wrong with that study. But in the meantime, there are real problems with our elections, for example, in states like Georgia, where they use these 16-year-old, wildly hackable, error-prone, 100% unverifiable touchscreen voting systems. We talk about them a lot. Uh, and in the case of Georgia, they are overseen in as much as they can be overseen by any human beings by that state's Republican Secretary of State, Brian Kemp, who is also now hoping to fail up uh, as he recently received the GOP nomination for governor in Georgia. So uh, these failed Republican secretaries of state are running for governor all over the place. And now we often warn you after elections that it uh, takes some time for problems from the election and the reported results to, uh, to actually come to light. We've got an example of that today from a new filing in a Georgia lawsuit Uh, hoping to end the state's use of those unverifiable touchscreen voting systems. That suit was uh, filed by the Coalition for Good Governance, led by longtime election integrity advocate Marilyn Marks. We've interviewed her several times on this show. Uh, She's a Republican, by the way. Uh, And I think just last week Marilyn was on the show. I hope to have more on that new filing specifically in the days ahead. But McClatchy today... um, as harvest has harvested uh, some of the evidence that has been included in this new filing, some of the evidence obtained via public records requests and declarations and so forth uh, that was uh, gathered up by Marks from the state of Georgia. Among the disturbing findings, as cited by McClatchy today, Habersham County's Mud Creek Precinct in northeastern Georgia had 276 registered voters ahead of the state's primary elections back in May of this year. Uh, And they had a pretty good turnout of those uh, 276 registered voters. Some 670 (laughs) ballots were cast. 276 registered voters, 600 ballots cast. 670, yep. That's some inflation. Yeah, that's impressive. Uh, this is uh, this is according to the Georgia Secretary of State's office. This is according to Brian Kemp. This would indicate a 243% voter turnout in Mud Creek. 
And no, in case you're wondering, they do not have same-day registration in Georgia. We have seen uh, people freak out similarly when they see you know similar numbers of larger than 100% turnout, and then it turns out, well, they have uh, same-day registration in that particular uh, area that might explain it. We saw concerns about that, for example, up in Wisconsin. Uh, in 2016, but they don't have that in Georgia. So that would not explain these numbers that were somehow certified by Secretary of State and now gubernatorial nominee Brian Kemp. McClatchy notes that cybersecurity experts have warned that there were security flaws on the state election website leading up to the 2016 contest that permitted the download and manipulation of Voter information. We've talked about that quite a bit over the past year. What happened in Georgia, that uh, file that anyone could have downloaded for at least a year going back before the 2016 election, presidential election, and probably many years earlier. Uh, That information included stuff like administrative passwords to the voting systems and the tabulators. In one sworn statement in this filing, a voter explains that uh, she and her husband, for example, who were registered to vote at the same address, were both assigned different polling places and different city council districts. In several instances, voters showed up at their polling places listed on the Secretary of State's website, only to be told they were supposed to vote elsewhere. An Atlanta Democrats voting machine provided him a ballot, including the 5th Congressional District, for which longtime Congressman John Lewis ran unopposed instead of what should have been the 6th Congressional District ballot, which featured a competitive Democratic race, which he did not get to vote on or in uh, because he was given a race, given uh, a race that he wasn't supposed to vote on, that wasn't uh, had no opposition in the primary at all. In a statement, the office of Georgia Secretary of State Brian Kemp defended the security, nonetheless, of state elections. They told um, a spokesperson uh, told McClatchy in an email, quote, alongside federal, local and private sector partners, we continue to fight every day to ensure secure and accurate elections in Georgia that are free from interference. To this day, due to the vigilance, dedication, and hard work of those partners, our election system and voting equipment remain secure. Also, these are not the droids you're looking for, so you can just believe me here. Whatever I say, we'll go with that, despite all of the evidence to the contrary in Georgia. Marilyn Marks is uh, also quoted. Uh, she's the director of Coalition for Good Governance. She told uh, McClatchy, quote, we are submitting only a small sample from scores of known system malfunctions and irregularities. But those examples should raise alarms with officials, political parties, candidates and voters. Something is terribly wrong at a systemic level, she says, and it is not being taken seriously by Secretary Kemp. Or the state and county's elections boards uh, charged with conducting secure elections. All of them will be overseeing the elections this November in the state of Georgia, where you have a very competitive uh, race. In fact, for governor, uh, Stacey Abrams, uh, the Democratic nominee running against Brian Kemp. And can I just uh, add, Kemp is going to be overseeing his own election as for for governor, and he's got access to all the passwords. Yeah, of course. All the election officials do. The insiders always do. 
So um, I will link uh, to this uh, report uh, about problem after problem that was uh, discovered in uh, in the past uh, just the past couple of elections elections in uh, in the May primary and in the July runoff. But it seems like this is the sort of thing we all ought to be concerned about rather than the ghosts cited by the fraudulent voter fraud fraudsters like Kemp and Kobach who want to keep millions of people from voting if it if it uh, might prevent 10 people from voting unlawfully if that many Georgia's elections were already a disaster when Kemp took over as secretary of state and they are more of a disaster now uh, after his eight-year reign, and now he wants to do for the entire state as governor the same great job that he did as Secretary of State. But it's not only in wingnut country uh, where there are concerns about our voting system. You may recall back in early June during the statewide primaries out here in California, some 118,000 names were not included in the printed polling roster that folks used to sign in on Election Day here in specifically in Los Angeles County, my home county here. At the time, the L.A. County Registrar Dean Logan announced the error uh, just a few hours after polls had opened when when the problem was discovered and notified the public that all voters including ones that were left off the rosters for what was chalked up at the time to a printing error that all of those voters could vote provisionally and that their votes would, in fact, be counted. Uh, well, the problem affected voters at thousands of L.A. County precincts, and afterwards the state's Democratic Secretary of State, Alex Padilla, sent a stern note to Logan calling on him to hire an independent investigator to find out what went wrong. And uh, Logan who, though uh, appearing on this show several times over the years, he declined to come on the show to explain what he knew and what he didn't. In any event, he hired a group from IBM's security team to eval evaluate the failure. Those findings are now in. That report, at least the executive summary of the report, is in because apparently they are not going to release the uh, full report for some reason, citing security concerns, I believe. So according to the statement issued by the county, along with a link to an even shorter executive summary, here is what we now know about those 118,000 folks that did not show up on the printed rosters back in the June primary. An extensive independent review by information technology leader IBM Security Services identified software misconfigurations, not a cyber attack, as the root cause of the omission of, the omission of 118,509 names from the printed roster in precincts across L.A. County for the June 5 primary election, this coming from the county itself. Uh, no voters were removed from voting rolls because of the roster error and their right to vote was never at issue. The registrar said the roster print problem ultimately affected approximately 12,000 voters who went to the polls and cast provisional ballots because their names were not on the roster. They could not sign in. Those provisional ballots, we are told, were processed immediately and counted as part of the official election results. The independent review verified there was no pattern of voters, uh, specific voters being excluded from the printed rosters due to demographic characteristics or geographic boundaries, etc. So they didn't just leave off all Democrats or all Republicans or all Greens or whatever. Uh, in the investigation, um, 
IBM found that formatting changes in the statewide voter database made it incompatible with the software that the county uses to generate the printed lists for polling places. So Secretary of State Alex Padilla was, you know, furious about what happened here. And it turns out uh, the database that he oversees, a change that was made there, is what apparently led to this problem. The county's voter information management system had not been updated to process this new format that was coming from the state. So the system generated voter records with empty spaces for the birth dates of those 118,000 voters. And since the birth dates were missing, the county system incorrectly classified those voters as underage and therefore left them off the printed precinct roster. Well, that makes sense. It does. It's just it's so it's so silly, but it shows how human error in coding a computer can make all the difference. Yep. So that supposedly explains it. We can't look at the evidence. We can only look at the conclusions in the uh, executive summary. But that is the explanation we are being given today. Also in the review, IBM uh, investigated a 21-minute outage of the county's voter information website on the evening of the elections after the polls had closed. Again, they found no evidence of cyber attack there. They say the uh, outage was uh, due to heavy demand on the website. So we will link to, I was going to say the full report, but no, we will link to the executive summary, the tiny little executive summary, and the uh, bit longer announcement about the executive summary from L.A. County at bradblog.com tonight. And we'll leave it up to you to decide if they have uh, found the problem and if it is anything we need to worry about before this November, when I suspect we've got lots to worry about. All right, quick break, and we're back with more Bradcast right after this. I'm Brad Friedman. Don't touch that dial. Hey, this is Brad. If you haven't noticed by now, it's no easy feat finding facts, real facts, not alternative facts, over your public airwaves. We try to bring you real facts, truth, and clarity without fear or favor each and every day on the Bradcast. But we need your help to do it, and that help is needed more now than ever. Please stop by bradblog.com donate today. That's bradblog.com donate and thanks. I'm sorry. So sorry. Yeah. Some, uh, yeah, some, uh, some uh, Trump voters are sorry. They were such a fool to vote for Donald Trump back in 2016. Some... But not nearly enough. We'll talk about that in a moment because this is all related. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Uh, you'll recall back in June, General Motors had warned that if Trump's trade war continues to move forward, as he has been threatening, that GM would likely um, have to start laying off workers that it would cost jobs uh, for America's largest automaker. We talked about it a little bit at the time. And now the cost of some of Toyota's 
Most popular automobiles will increase by as much as $3,000 because of Trump's ongoing trade war, the company said on Friday. CNBC reported that the Japanese automakers' executives made the announcement after reporting record profits on Friday. But the company said that tariffs imposed by the U.S. could severely impact Toyota's bottom line and negatively affect jobs. Yes, jobs here in the U.S. Toyota said in a statement um, that, uh, quote, a 25 percent tariff on automotive imports, which is just a tax on consumers, will increase the cost of every vehicle sold in the country. CNBC notes that models such as Toyota's popular Camry sedan, the Tundra pickup, and the Sienna minivan would all see cost increases because of Trump's tariffs. The company said the Camry, which is assembled in Kentucky, which I think is in the U.S., last I checked, That would cost an extra $1,800 if the uh, 25% tariffs were to take effect. The uh, Camry would cost an additional $1,800, and the Tundra and the Sienna would cost $2,800 and $3,000 more, respectively. Uh, The Hill notes that 137 people, 137,000 people, sorry, that's different, in the U.S., are employed by Toyota across 10 of its factories and dealerships here. Uh, these are not na- this is not a national security threat, Toyota said. They are not a national security threat referencing Trump uh, Trump's justification for implementing the tariffs on these foreign nations. Trump has already imposed a 25% tariff on some 35 billion dollars worth of goods from China. He has threatened to raise tariff levels. Uh, Last Friday, China said that they would impose tariffs upward of 25 percent on more than 5,000 American goods if the Trump administration follows through with its threat to hit Beijing with still more tariffs on as much as uh, $200 billion of Chinese imports. And then just in today, right before airtime from AP, the Trump administration says it's going to go ahead with imposing 25% 25% tariffs on $16 billion more in Chinese imports. Customs officials will begin collecting that border tax on August 23. The new taxes are in addition to the tariffs that took effect in July on $34 billion worth of Chinese products. China has responded with their own retaliatory tariffs. The administration is readying tariffs of up to 25 percent on an additional 200 billion dollars in Chinese products. So the trade wars are already costing jobs in this country, specifically in areas, geographic areas across the country, which have been supportive of Donald Trump, had been supportive of him, at least back in uh, in 2016. They're beginning to be less supportive at this point. Farmers are being hurt. Uh, Also, a lot of these folks are uh, not happy about his immigration policies. And in fact, uh, they're embarrassed by the family separation policies they're seeing at the border and everything else. All of this appears to be having an effect on the electorate, specifically on Trump's own voters. CNN assembled a a panel of Trump voters today 
about half of whom said, uh, well, about half of whom still support the president, but the other half say they can no longer support this guy. There are still some holdups, holdouts, as I noted, but uh, here's a bit of that conversation from CNN earlier today. The way I look at him now, I think he's a monster. I think he's a bigot. I think that he's doing a lot of things to ruin people's lives. Um, I don't think that he has. I think that he's taking this country in the wrong direction, and it's a terrifying time for me. My issue with this president, who I voted for, is the fact that he has something negative to say about every other leader. But you try saying one little comment that's negative about Trump himself. He jumps into a fit and he has this Twitter tirade. You know, we have a lot of really, I mean, I have to be crass about it, idiots who voted for him, including myself at, at one time. I take great offense. I'm not an idiot. It's a wise decision that people vote. It was a wise decision for Michiganders, for Wisconsinites, for Pennsylvanians, for working Americans who were tired of their jobs being taken away, shipped overseas, or taken by illegals. Go I ahead. want to apologize to the nation for my vote for him. It was the wrong thing to do. It was the biggest mistake I ever made. Like I said, he is a racist. Okay, so uh, there was some uh, Trump voters saying uh, they're embarrassed, they're sorry, uh, but let me focus on the one guy there who says uh, he, he's not an idiot. He's still a holdout. He's still a Trump supporter. As it turns out, despite his protestations, yeah, he's an idiot. <laughs> As he foolishly uh, says there that uh, voting for Trump was the right, was a wise decision for the working Americans who were tired of their jobs being shipped overseas or taken by illegals, as he calls him. All right. For a start, uh, far more jobs are currently being lost due to Donald Trump's trade wars than are being gained in this country. And we have uh, we pointed this out for for many weeks now. It's not getting a lot of coverage. <clears throat> but as to the jobs being taken by illegals, as he describes, the dude ought to take uh, take a look at, at some of the folks who were interviewed for an NBC News story published yesterday. I don't know if you saw this. Uh, Des, but just uh, did you see this report from no. NBC News? So uh, the apparently the limited number of H-2B visas that the uh, Trump administration is now allowing to get out. These are essentially for temporary workers uh, to come in from Mexico or wherever uh, to work in this country. They The limitations that the administration has placed on those visas are apparently crippling all sorts of businesses and uh, companies around the country. NBC notes for nearly 25 years, Donnie and Michelle Massey have been traveling with their family-run carnival, the Alpine Amusement Company, across the Midwest. But now they say it may come to an end. They may be closing the carny. The Masseys, like other seasonal American businesses, including landscaping and crabbing, have for years relied on a federal seasonal worker program known as H-2B visas to keep their midway moving. But this year they were denied the 44 visas that they requested to bring in their usual workers from Mexico and South Africa. Their uh, small business has seven full-time workers. They estimate they have lost almost $400,000 in revenue between last year and this year so far. And it's not because they haven't tried to find American workers to fill these jobs. They cannot find them. Alpine Amusements pain is one that other industries say has uh, become acute under President Donald Trump, even in states and counties he won by promising to have the backs of small business owners. 
For example, after facing the additional demand for H-2B workers, the Trump administration uh, had to release an additional 15,000 visas in May because there were so many people were having problems filling jobs. But that 15,000 in May is still not enough. Industry organizations and business owners are saying thousands of miles, for example, from the Masseys and their carnival company, Matt Davis recounts everything that he did to try to find American workers for his Plano, Texas landscaping business. He had he put out newspaper advertisements, flyers in the local hardware store, notices through the state's unemployment office, Craigslist, word of mouth. He told NBC News, if I can fill my workforce workforce with local guys, I would do that. I want to hire Americans first because it's easier for me, but most of the American workers don't want temporary jobs. So he turned to the visa program last September to get workers hired by this spring. He was initially denied. He was eventually able to get a late batch of 16 foreign workers from Mexico when the Trump administration released those extra 15,000 visas in May, in May of this year. But he says the damage was done. The infusion was too late. He lost about 50 percent of his revenue. Now, I don't know this guy personally, but I know some people in Plano and I bet he was a Trump supporter. I'm just guessing. <laughs> I think just you may guessing. be referring to some of my family members who I, may be in I that general region. I did not want region. to cast any aspersions on your asparagus, but I, <laughs> I'm i just saying. Well, I would also be curious yeah. in how much this man was offering to pay them because I also don't think most Americans can afford to work for the part-time wages that he would probably be offering. Well, here's another uh, point that makes me think that he's probably a Trump supporter. Uh, he said, quote, I don't think the government should be picking winners and losers. Wow. Yeah, that's something that you hear from Republicans only when they want to pick certain winners and certain losers. Exactly. When he's Uh, looking forward to a government program that will help him pay employees. He says, I consider myself blessed this year, this year when he lost about 50 percent of the revenue. He considers himself blessed. Uh, The only problem is he doesn't know what's going to happen next year. Another landscaper believes the same fate is in store for him in Ohio. His Ohio-based business, George Homan, was able to secure 25 workers from Mexico in mid-July, very late into his season. That also after the extra visas were released. Some of his customers, however, by then had switched to his competitors, so he had to terminate a $50,000 a year contract. With a local marketing company, he closed it. So they lost the business also, the local marketing company. He closed a satellite office. He's uh, seen his recruitment costs skyrocket. He, he says that he's uh, now facing losses that are about $250,000, calling that a bunch of revenue that we won't get back. We're in damage control mode right now. He said, do I think they're uh, doing enough? Talking about the Trump administration? Absolutely not. Have they heard from us? Absolutely they have. Trump's companies, Trump's own companies, he notes, use H-2B visas. Uh, and they've gotten visas for his companies. He says, I feel like we are pawns in the immigration reform debate. Oh, did you figure that out finally? Took you long enough. <clears throat> Sometimes I guess it, it has to affect them personally actually personally in their own pocketbook before they'll actually care yep uh one more here aubrey uh aubrey vincent runs lindy's seafood a 40 year old business in the trump voting crab town of fishing creek maryland 
So, you know, we're talking about the Midwest. We're talking about Maryland. We're talking about Texas. Uh, Vincent says she has exhausted efforts to recruit American workers after receiving none of the 104, none of the 104 visas that she requested this year. The roughly 30 local crab workers have only been able to process 25% of the company's normal volume of seafood, devastating her bottom line. Bill Siling, the executive director of the Chesapeake Bay Seafood Industry Association in Maryland, says that the seafood industry is feeling a crunch if this whole thing continues into next year, he says, which is our nightmare scenario. You're going to see the end of this industry. That, of course, is... uh, Unless global warming uh, kills the industry first. Well. (laughs) We'll take a quick break and uh, come back to talk with Desi Doyen about that. But the... uh that guy uh, who says uh, he resents being called an idiot because Donald Trump has uh, stopped all of these uh, d- illegals from taking our jobs. Yeah, he's an idiot. He ought to pay attention. Uh, it's not the illegals that are taking your job, uh, but it is your president who is very likely uh, losing jobs for actual Americans and perhaps killing industry if his idiocy continues. All right. Our idiocy will continue after a quick break here on the broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Desi Doyen joins us for the Green News Report right after this. Don't touch that dial. Five major corporations now control more than 80 percent of the media in the United States, but they don't control us. The Bradcast and the Green News Report are 100 percent independent, 100 percent listener supported. But we can't do it alone. We need you. Please help us bring real facts to listeners at independent stations around the nation. You can make a difference. Support independent media. Drop by bradblog.com donate. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. Welcome back to the uh, to the broadcast. All right, yeah, I know, I am running late, <laughs> as usual. Yes, as usual. So we'll get to it, straight to it. Our latest green news report: the winds kicked up, the temperatures kicked up, the humidities went down, and then we started getting really erratic fire behavior. Northern California wildfire, now the largest in state history. An unusual number of dead animals have been washing up on Florida's shores this summer. Toxic algae blooms wreaking havoc in Florida. It's a summer that's already seen a number of temperature records smashed across the northern hemisphere, and now... Europe's heat wave has made Sweden shorter. Wait, what? Plus... A huge award today in the third lawsuit in our state focusing on hog waste. North Carolina jury awards nearly half a billion dollars in damages against hog farms. All of that hog waste and more straight ahead from bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. They say that greedy trial attorneys are endangering the future of agriculture. Yes, it's those greedy trial attorneys again who are endangering the future of agriculture. I knew it. This is your Green News Report.
Okay, Desi Doyen, no offense intended, but today's Green News Report stinks. <laughs> yes. On several levels. Yes, indeed it does. But we'll get to that in a moment. First, in Northern California, President Donald Trump has issued an official disaster declaration for the state, freeing up federal funds to assist in the response and recovery from 17 large wildfires that have destroyed more than a thousand homes and killed at least eight people. The National Weather Service has confirmed that the car fire near Redding generated a rare fire tornado. That was the equivalent of an EF3 tornado only made of fire. But the fast-moving Mendocino Complex fire is actually even worse. Over the weekend, it doubled in size to become the largest fire in state history, breaking the record set by the Thomas Fire just last year. The state has already spent about a third of its annual fire budget, and the height of the season is still yet to come. In a press conference, Democratic Governor Jerry Brown warned that California's fire season is projected to get worse and is an ominous sign of our global warming future. We're in a new normal. Over a decade or so, uh, we're going to have more fire, more destructive fire, uh, more billions that will have to be spent on it, more adaptation, more prevention. So all that is the new normal that we have to face. Scientists are also mocking President Trump's bizarre tweets on California's wildfires as, quote, comedically ill-informed. In a weekend tweet, Trump didn't mention firefighters or any of the victims or their families, but instead inexplicably asserted that California's water is, quote, being diverted into the Pacific Ocean. Those are called rivers, Mr. President. Rivers are where California's billion-dollar salmon industry comes from. And fire officials say there is no shortage of water for firefighting. It was a short tweet, but this is only a six-minute episode of the Green News Report, so there is no way to adequately respond to the idiocy that he was able to pack into 280 characters in that ridiculous tweet. And the ongoing extreme heat wave across Europe is forcing nuclear plants to ramp down because the water that they use for cooling the reactors, whether it be from rivers or the ocean, is actually now too warm to do the job. Spain, Portugal, and France are hovering at or near all-time high national heat records, and the European heat wave has literally made Sweden's tallest peak shorter. It's no longer the country's highest point because the melting glacier on top of it lost 13 feet in the month of July alone. Wow. But the heat is also on in Florida, where it's causing toxic algae blooms in both inland freshwaters and in the ocean. It's linked to both rising temperatures and fertilizer pollution. We previously reported on a toxic green algae bloom that's befouling freshwater areas like Lake Okeechobee. But in the Gulf of Mexico, an extended, unprecedented toxic red tide algae bloom has killed thousands of fish and manatees on the west coast of Florida and generated noxious fumes that have sent residents to the hospital with respiratory problems and affected 100 miles of shoreline. See, that's what I mean. This Green News report stinks. But there is some good news regarding noxious fumes. In North Carolina, a federal jury has awarded nearly $500 million in damages to six neighbors of industrial hog farms contracted by the Smithfield Corporation. 
operation. The jury agreed with homeowners that the stench from massive lagoons of manure generated by nearly 8,000 hogs every day created an intolerable, inescapable odor that attracted insects and reduced the value of their properties and their ability to live there. It's the third victory for homeowners challenging hog farms' waste management. Naturally, North Carolina's Republican-majority state legislature has moved into action, passing laws to restrict the rights of homeowners to bring such lawsuits against hog farms in the future. Some good news regarding noxious fumes, a phrase you're likely to only hear on the Green News Report. Thank you very much. For much more on all of these stories and the ones we couldn't get to, please check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Find us, follow us, and share us worldwide on the Facebooks and the Twitters at Green News Report. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. And this has been your Green News Report. Oh, boy. Uh, not only did that report stink, but it was a brutal, man, just a brutal reminder of this brutal summer. Yes, not that only we are now facing, and also to me, it's not just this brutal summer, this brutal heat. The you know, as climate change uh, begins to accelerate and proves to everybody exactly what scientists have been predicting all this time that we really need to take action on. Therefore, it shows that you have to get out and vote in your elections, especially this one coming up November sixth, two thousand eighteen. However, it also shows from this North Carolina hog farm stench lawsuit the fact that North Carolina state lawmakers passed a law restricting homeowners' ability to protect their property values by having any kind of say in the industrial farms that go next to them. And the amount of pig crap they can smell constantly, 24-7, in their own homes. Exactly. The fact that that is the law that got passed protecting the industry just underscores how important it is to vote in your state legislative contests as well, to pay attention. These people make laws that affect your life. And I want to say especially in North Carolina, because they are out of their goddamn minds there, those Republicans at this point in that state legislature. Uh, Thankfully, there's a Democratic uh, governor. Has he signed that? Yeah. He vetoed that law. The North Carolina Republican legislature overrode the veto. They have a veto-proof. Unbelievable. All right. Uh, Well, once again, another reminder, your work is cut out for you, North Carolina, and in the other 49 states. All right. Got to get out. My thanks to our producer, Desi Doyen. To all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's program, download it anytime for free at bradblog.com. Drop me email. Always good to hear from you, good, bad, or otherwise. I am bradcast at bradblog.com. Find us, follow, and share us on the Twitters, where you can find me at the bradblog. And my thanks to those of you who support what we try to do every day here on the Bradcast and twice a week on the Green News Report. Thanks to those who stop by bradblog.com slash donate. You're the only thing that keeps us from swimming in pig crap. All right, (laughs) bradblog.com slash donate. That's it. Until we meet again, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world.